Next Talk, sponsored by nexttalk.org, contains content of a mature nature. Parental guidance is advised. Welcome to Next Talk Radio with Mandy and Kim on AM630, The Word. Mandy is the author of Talk, and Kim is the director of Next Talk, a nonprofit organization helping parents cyber parent through open communication. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find our free video series and subscribe to our weekly podcast at nexttalk.org. Are you ready for the next talk? Today we are talking about some heavy topics, but super duper important because it's important that we are aware of everything that's out there. That's what Next Talk is all about. That even if you don't understand something or it makes you nervous or stressed, that we have to have conversations about what's going on in our world with our kids. So I'm pleased to invite uh, Chuck Paul here today. He is the outreach specialist for Centro Seguro. It's a drop-in center. I'm going to let him tell us a little bit more about himself first. Then we'll dive into what he does and how it applies to you. So, Chuck, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, thank you, Kim. So um, I started out in the military, and after the military, I went to go work on the U.S. borders, U.S. customs agent. Ah, so did that the for front 10 lines. Years. Yes, did yeah. that for 10 years. So having been in the military and then had worked on the border, um, I got to see human trafficking where it was involving foreign nationals. And I mm-hmm. thought, this is really a problem that we have in other countries, and we have to keep it out of our country. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, just like many Americans, that this is something where when it comes to the United States, people are exploited, but it's really foreign nationals that it happens to. Right. It's out there. Out there. Mm-hmm. After I left the U.S. Customs Service, I eventually went to go work for the Texas Department of Family Protective Services. I was a special investigator for this area for 12 years. Okay. For 10 of those, I was assigned to the San Antonio Police Department Special Victims Unit as their special investigative liaison with DFPS. So while there, I started to see cases where young people would be covered, recovered and mm-hmm. be in the missing persons unit, the youth services unit. They talk about boyfriends, older boyfriends, older girlfriends, setting them up with dates mm. with these adult men. And I knew what that was, but I had to pause. And I also had to grieve, too, because I thought this is something that happens in another country. This doesn't happen in my mm. backyard, in my city. It was probably shocking and a little overwhelming. It was, very much so. So as I began to look at these cases and I began to look at where we have missing youth from. Now, Mm -hmm. mind you, I worked in the FPS. I started to research missing foster youth. And there was some misinformation out there that there were several foster youth that were missing. There were foster youth missing, but the numbers were skewed because of the amount of the the way the information was collected. And a matter of fact, the information wasn't really being collected. Oh. And there was no central database that was tracking that these are youth are in foster care, and there wasn't a system at the time with DFPS that says, tell me how many kids are missing from placement. That just d- didn't, didn't exist. Ex- interesting. So you found a hole. So I found a hole. Yeah, yeah. So I started researching and doing research using the database for DFPS to research the placements for youth. Placements mean well, where they are in their status of mm-hmm. placement. Um, are they placed in a foster home? Are they placed with a, a relative? Are they placed in a group home? And the, I looked at the ones that said unauthorized placement or some of which that said runaway. And I started researching individually by calling those caseworkers in our area. Mm-hmm. Where is this child really at? Tell me a little bit about this child. So I was able to come up with a complete list of actual youth that weren't where they were supposed to be. Oh, my goodness. They were slipping through the cracks. Slipping through the cracks. Wow. So I sent that information up to uh, my boss and my boss's boss, and I came up with a policy that said, we're for now on, whenever one of these youth are not where they're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. the caseworker has to contact the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, make sure there's a police report number on them, Mm because that wasn't always happening. Wow. Make sure the police have been reported to... 
make sure a special investigator's been assigned to go look for him. Basic thing. Sure. And I sent that up to uh, my boss, and he sent that up the chain, and they thought it was a wonderful idea, so we implemented it here in Bear County. Awesome. Wow. And that caught wind up at the state level. The state level heard about it, so they ended up implementing it in 2015 for the entire state of Texas. Awesome. So that's now a policy that's statewide. So I was actually on a team of three individuals starting at about 2014 that all we did was we started working these cases of finding youth who were missing from foster care and working these human trafficking cases, in particular the human trafficking cases where it involved foster youth. Mm-hmm. I bet that that is a breeding ground for people who are looking for kids to exploit because they're in that in-between zone and nobody was looking for them until you made this policy. Right. No one was looking for them, so that did make them a high-risk category yeah. group. Yeah. And what I, we ended up finding out was that children that are on runaway status, regardless if they're in foster care or not, mm-hmm. it, we would have these youth we call runaways, youth that were homeless, and youth that were what we call throwaways. And the scariest group is the throwaway group. The throwaway group was actually youth that were thrown out of their house. They weren't in CPS custody. They okay. weren't in juvenile justice custody. They were usually with their parents. And then for some reason, their parents threw them out. Mm-hmm. And often one of the reasons their parents threw them out is because the child was beginning to sell states that they identified as LGBTQ. Wow. And they were thrown out for that? They were thrown out. Oh, wow. I've had youth tell me, I'm this happened to me because I'm gay. Oh, my goodness. And... In many cases, we would start to research those youth, and we'd find out actually what it was is that the child had been molested early on, mm-hmm. usually by a not not by a parent, not by someone else. Yes, the parents had done what they were supposed to do as far as reporting it to law enforcement, but the child really didn't have the therapy to deal with. Absolutely, it. So nothing they were, to process through. They were beginning to question if this happened to me, that must make me yes. So and, and then they're thrown out. They're thrown out. Oh gosh! And then what it's happened awful. was no one was looking for them because there was no police report. Right. There was no. Oh. So that that made it very scary. So as we started to find this information, we were starting to get involved with Shared Hope International and other mm-hmm. groups. So about 2011, we really started to get active with uh, the Alamo Area Coalition Against Trafficking back when it first formed. I was part of the first group that formed it. And now that started with like nine people. And today it's like 81 different agencies and almost 300 people are involved with it. That's amazing, um, the collaborative effort. But at the same time, it just breaks my heart that we need such a collaborative effort. I mean, that's huge. It's a huge amount of people and resources, meaning that the problem is huger than I think most of us realize. Right. And what we do is we break up into groups. So the the Alamo Area Coalition Against Trafficking has law enforcement, has education groups, Mm -hmm. has churches, has uh, ministries, has uh, nonprofits like what I work for now. They're all part of Alabama Coalition Against Trafficking. And then what they do is they break off in a subcommittee. So there's a subcommittee that works on legislation. There's a subcommittee Mm -hmm. that works on outreach, a subcommittee that works on training, a subcommittee that works on facilities. Mm -hmm. And what we find is by getting our whole community involved, because this is a problem that affects everyone, no matter who you are, that we're actually able to start addressing the issue on a holistic approach. Because the reality is, is that this is really based in a breakdown of the family unit. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the fact. This is yeah. based on a breakdown of the family unit. If you've got youth that are not getting what they need at home, there are individuals out there that will exploit them. And oftentimes we find today that the exploitation begins while the child's still at home, actually many times standing right next to their parent. Online. Online. Yes. Chuck, I want you to speak to the parents right now. I know we're talking a little bit about your past and how you came to where you are, but I think in this moment, it's important for them to really hear what you're saying, because this is kind of the crux of what we talk about at Next Talk, is that this is happening in your own home. It has changed. The landscape of parenting has changed. Your kid can be standing next to you, and they are being groomed to be taken from your home or to walk out 
of your home and go and join someone where then they will be exploited. You see this. This is what you do in your career now. Yes. It is not rare, right? It's not rare. And what parents need to understand is that this is not their child's fault. Right. These individuals that are out there hunting, they actually have a term for them. They call it bunny hunting. And they make money off of this. As a matter of fact, the average trafficker here in our city with a stable of four youth can make over $600,000 a oh, year. Oh, my goodness gracious. This is a $150 billion a year international industry. Wow. Child pornography produced in the United States alone is a $3 billion a year industry. And these, these traffickers diversify in this. We call them traffickers. We call them pimps. These are exploiters is what yeah, they are. They yeah. diversify. One child, they may, they may use one day. They have that child do pornography, stripping, and escort services all on the same day. Oh, my goodness. And they have a system. They actually have a system that they utilize. They use a system uh, that's based in Freudian science called fractionization seduction. Okay. Where they start out with creating initial intrigue. And they start out by small, short, little bleeps about themselves, things that great, gain the attention of youth that are out there. So they cruise through the chat rooms and the websites and the wherever. What about like online gaming? The, online the talking, gaming, oh my anyone. Goodness. And they're waiting for that youth that's mad at their parents, that's mad at their friends, that mm-hmm. feels lonely, that feels like they're not connected. And we know that many youth... I remember being 12, 13 years old myself. Absolutely. We all go through that. Yes. I remember feeling disconnected. Yeah. So they start out with an intrigue. They they have these little intrigue points like this. They have a great character online or they have a... a website or a, a videos on there about themselves, or they have some kind of little blurb about themselves. Mm-hmm. They create intrigue, just enough to start a conversation with your child. And then what they do beyond that is then they create rapport, and they have a that they go into the rapport stage. Creating rapport means that they're going to create a conversation between their child, their child, and them by you know asking questions or mm-hmm. hey you know I hear you're sad. Tell me about that. I really want to know. Mm-hmm. And then everything your child says, they're going to empathize with, and yes. they're going to have similar agree. experiences, mm-hmm. and they're going to agree, and they're going to create a rapport. Mm-hmm. And that rapport building process is going to build and build and build and mm-hmm. build until they've gotten into the affection, the affection stage, and where they're starting to create an attachment okay. through an affection stage because they have shared experiences and shared likes and shared dislikes, and mm-hmm. they're going to build on that. These uh, bunny hunting, these guys that do this and girls that do this, they can do it over a period of weeks, days, months. They have fake identities. They mm-hmm. go out and they use catfishing all the time where mm-hmm. they create a fake profile. If I wanted to talk to a child at one high school. I'd go to another. I'd go to a, a nearby town, find mm-hmm. another big high school, and I'd go pull the photographs of the football player over there or someone who's popular over yes. there, and I'd start creating a contact using that. Yes. It's very simple. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, you know, we are always talking with parents about having this conversation with your kids before they are in that situation. And they say, well, that you know, how would that happen to my kid? We're a, we're a good family. We're a middle-class family. We're doing everything right. But if you're not talking to them and talking to them about the dangers that are out there, this will take them by surprise. This will blindside them. Just like you said, it's not the, your kid's fault. They're being groomed in a scientific way to respond to this terrible person that's out there trying to get a hold of them. So you have got to explain to your children what is out there and give them good examples so that they can recognize it when they see it. Because you want to be that safe place for your kids. You want them to say, hey, I'm talking to this person and this is what they're saying so that you can walk them through that. Because if they don't tell you, it's very easy for them to get sucked in. Smart kids. It's not your kid's fault. 
No, it's not. And that's very much the truth. Children that are connected and protected, children that are yes. connected within their community, that are connected with their parents, connected within their church, connected within their school, mm-hmm. that are engaged with responsible adults and responsible friends. Yes. These are the children that are least likely to be exploited because they're not spending all their time talking to their secret friend online. Or maybe even right. a friend that you they've got a profile that says Kimmy. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a middle-aged male that they're talking to. Yes. Because they know the language. They know the the terminology. And they will build that rapport. They will build that affection and attachment over a long, long period of time if they have to. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get the child to feel as though that no one else understands them but their friend. Yes. And they'll even say things like, they'll text... They'll text the child and say, why didn't you answer all my texts? I text you five times and you answer right away. The child responded, well, I was talking to my mom or doing homework. And they'll say, well, apparently your mom is more important than I am. Oh, that manipulation. So we can't be friends. Oh. And this is the beginning of the sequence that was in true enslavement, which is true mind wash mm-hmm. is what's going on, mm-hmm. where they're beginning to fractionate, which means to separate out, mm-hmm. fractionization, seduction, the child from all other connections. Oh. So, so the child literally feels as though the only connection they have is that person. Yes. I can see it. I mean, we've heard the stories from parents right here in our own town, in our own neighborhoods. You know, next talk, we've gotten the calls um, in our own schools of kids who have been trafficked. And that is the process. That's what it looks like. And it's still hard to hear to this day because I can see how easily any kid could fall victim to that. Any child Good parents, good yeah. neighborhoods, yeah. going to church, has a good school. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. Because of the fact that the marginalized youth, the homeless youth, the throwaway youth, the, the runaway youth, they, there are not enough of them to feed the sick and twisted appetite that is human trafficking Ugh. in the United States today. So they have to go after the child that's at home, on their phone, yeah. at the dinner table with mom and dad there. And maybe the parents, dad had a tough day at work, mom had a tough day at work. They're trying to discuss their own tough day to, to, to address that and make mm-hmm. sure they don't take that into their household. Mm-hmm. And just for that moment is all that person needs to get that foot in the door. Oh, my goodness. That's hard to hear. Uh, if you're just now tuning in, this is Next Talk Radio, Saturdays at 2 p.m. Next Talk is listener supported. To support the work we do here, please visit nexttalk.org. This is Kim, and I have the pleasure of speaking with a special guest today, Chuck Paul. He is the outreach specialist for Centro Seguro, the drop-in center. I want him to delve into what exactly you do as the outreach specialist and what Centro Seguro is. Um, I wish I could say that better and cooler, but I just cannot get it out. Um, We have been setting up kind of the situation at hand here in the first part of the show, which is human trafficking and that it is not an issue out there overseas, somewhere not close by. It's in our own backyard, our own schools, our own homes your child possibly. And that is the premise of everything we talk about here at Next Talk with creating that safe place for your kids so that they can talk to you about anything. You have to be having these tough conversations with them so they know what's out there. They need to see that there is a threat. They need to understand what it looks like so that they can come to you and share it with you if they see it. Um, Human trafficking is real. It's happening every day. And the numbers are staggering. Uh, Chuck is here to talk to us, yes, about that, but also some of the programs that you guys offer to support these kids once they have been exposed to this. So Centro Segudo was actually born out of the Alamo Area Coalition Against Trafficking okay. with uh, coming together with groups and discussing what the issue was. And what, one of the main issues that we ran into was we would have a youth that was either runaway, homeless, throwaway, 
or youth that had been exploited, and we had really no safe place to take them to. Yeah. Because of the behaviors that they would display after that had happened to them, let's say trafficking. Sure. They would often run away. They would feel as though they're still connected to the trafficker. They would feel as though that, that they weren't really exploited, but they were in love. And, and parents from good households, good neighborhoods, and parents that didn't have any resources from bad places, they all had the same problem is that they couldn't keep their child safe. Yeah. So often what would happen, unfortunately, because there was no other systems, is our juvenile justice system would have to step in. Mm. So then you have a youth that something's happened to them, or maybe they just have a constant runaway issue, that are going to detention centers. Wow. Oh, my my goodness. And this is happening all across the country. Oh. So the thought was there has to be something else. Yeah. So the governor's office created their child sex trafficking team and Governor Abbott created this team and they specifically started to go around and talk to groups like the Alamo Area Coalition Against Trafficking about what are we going to do to change this system? And what happened was is during a T-Noise conference, uh, that's the uh, Texas Network of Youth Service okay. Organization. So these are all groups that provide services to youth throughout the state of Texas. During a T-Noise conference here in San Antonio, I was there, the governor's office was there, and Roy Moss Youth Alternatives were there. Now, Roy Moss Youth Alternatives has been around for 42 years in the state of Texas. Okay. They were the very first place here in Texas, in, in San Antonio, to provide a place that basically youth that ran away, youth that had at risk, needed a safe place to go. They gave it their bridge facility. They also did foster youth placements there. So Roy Moss was there. So Roy Moss sat down with the governor's office, and Dr. Julie Strange and Bill Whitaker from Roy Moss Youth Alternatives sat down with the governor's office. And the, the was discussed. What are we going to do? We're already serving this population, but what are we going to do to prevent this from happening, but also provide a safe place when they it are exploited? Happen. Yeah, right. Yeah. So this was Central Segudo was born out of this. So Central Segudo was born out of that concept, but there was only funding for eight hours a day. Well, what ended up happening was is that Bear County Juvenile Justice partnered with Roy Moss Youth Alternatives and the governor's office, and there were some connections with the Kronkowski Foundation. And the Kronkowski Foundation came in and drew the introductions and said, we'll fund the other 16 hours a day. Amazing. What a blessing. So Central Segudo became the very first 24-hour, seven-day-a-week facility in the entire United States of America. Wow. Specifically for runaway, homeless, throwaway, and trafficked youth. Unreal. It's the only one in the state of Texas. Incredible. Other places followed afterwards all throughout the country. So what ends up happening now is that with Central Segudo is that now we have a safe place, and we are the safe place here for this area. Okay. We are partnered with the Safe Place Network Program, which is a national program. Mm -hmm. We now have a safe place for runaway youth, homeless youth, youth who have been thrown out, at-risk youth, and youth who have been exploited. Okay. It's a non-detention facility. It's not a jail. It's not a right. lockdown facility. Right. Because locking up a child who's been victimized just says, you did something wrong. Yes. It's like a double victimization. Correct. That's awful. So now a police officer here in this area, there are over 35 law enforcement patrol uh, officers, different uh, departments that do patrol just in Bear County alone. We don't think about all the school police. No, we don't. All the small municipalities, yes. the college police, the university hospital police. There mm -hmm. are over 35. So these officers, let's say they identify somebody that's either been exploited or at risk of exploitation or runaway or just on the streets, mm -hmm. they can now bring them to Central Segudo, where in the very first few minutes there, we're going to do a, start a full assessment. We're going to get a portrait of that child's life. Not just why you're here today, but what's been going on in your life mm -hmm. as far as whether or not you've been a victim of exploitation, whether or not you've been a victim of crime. We're going to look at all the Victim of Crime Act qualifiers on them to see if they've ever had anything bad happen to them. Sure, sure. What's your family dynamic? What's your support system? What does your family look like? Mm -hmm. 
what resources do you have available? What do you really need? What's your educational system look like? Mm-hmm. So we're going to get a portrait of this child's life. And during that portrait, we're also going to do what's called a see it tool, which is a tool to screen specifically for human trafficking. Okay. Depending on where they fall on that scale, they can come in as no concern, possible concern, or clear concern of trafficking, or mm-hmm. even confirmed. So if they come in as clear concern or above, we're going to contact one of our sister partner organizations, which is the Baptist Child and Family Services Common Thread Program. Mm-hmm. They're going to sign an advocate to that child and that child's family. They can work with that child and their family until that child's 25 years old. Wow. That's incredible. And that is a funded, paid-for program. Amazing. And that advocate is a paid advocate. That is their job. Job wow. to advocate for that child, work with that child. I mean, I, I was reading a little bit about what y'all do and, you know, you meet them right where they're at and provide the services they need to heal and move forward versus, like you said, re-victimizing them by putting them basically in youth jail. I mean, even just basic services, shower, food, a safe place to be, counseling, resources, all of that. That's that's an incredible service that you all provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks to the, the bigger picture here that if this is such, I'd love for you to share some numbers real quick like because mm-hmm. I think that will impact our listeners if this is such a big problem we have got to find a way to restore these youth and restore these young people and not just re-victimize them or put them back out on the streets and that's what y'all are doing yes so what just to kind of give an impact for our listeners what kind of numbers are we looking at here so last year alone we served for one the fir- in the first year of central schools operations we had we had guessed that maybe we were to serve about 60 kids in the first year uh-huh. we served 260 oh over two. 260 youth last year. Wow. And what we ended up finding was is that 50% of the youth, now mind you, the population we deal with, homeless, runaways, sure. kids who have been thrown out, kids sure. who we believe have been at risk for trafficking or traffic, 50% of them came in as clear concern for trafficking. Wow. We found that they averaged eight vocal qualifiers mm-hmm. per youth. Oh, my goodness. An average of eight. That means oh. anything from being robbed to sexually assaulted to beat up to yes. bullied. We found that the top four qualifiers, the top four indicators mm-hmm. that we found with our youth was bullying, sexual assault, child abuse, and domestic violence. Okay. That those four factors seem to be a common factor we see over and over again. And this is not necessarily something that may have even happened in the home. Mm-hmm. So as we begin, and we, when we started to look at our numbers, where they where they lay, well, this is something that took the air out of the room. We found that 50% of our clear concerns were males. Oh, my goodness. We're, I would not have expected that. 50% are boys. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So everyone has been focusing to include... On girls, m- yes. yes with, with girls. Yes. We're finding out that it doesn't matter, boy or girl. Yeah. Whether a child identifies as gay or straight, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. These exploiters don't care. They're just looking for someone that they can lead out of their place. Right. Essentially. And they'll do whatever they can. And you said the demand is so high that the exploiters, um, they're coming you know, into our neighborhoods and looking for any kid that they can get because you can't just focus on the runaways. You can't just focus on the homeless. And that that's the first time I've heard it put that way. That's very impactful. I know that human trafficking numbers are very high. I don't know if you have a statistic on that, but I know overall that those numbers are very high. So the the numbers are being worked on right now as far as hard numbers. So there was a lot of estimation numbers that were out there, and this was based on projected data. Mm -hmm. So now what's happening is is that because we have facilities like Central Segudo, because there are now five other drop-in centers in Texas, they're not 24 hours yet, but they will be. They will be. That's the goal. We're starting to get real hard numbers as far as, you know, actual cases. So mm-hmm. last year alone here in San Antonio, we were part of, we had 40 confirmed cases mm-hmm. that Central Segudo worked with of human trafficking here in San Antonio. 
Wow. So that's 40 that we just, that's just confirmed. Just confirmed, yes, exactly. And we know that that number is probably much higher than that, too. Yes, we do. Absolutely. So the projected numbers, of course, are much higher. But what we're trying to do now is we're trying to get real hard numbers. Mm-hmm. So we're able to give hard facts mm-hmm. to our population. Sure. And that's what's coming. So that's being reported up to the governor's office. And it's okay. actually been reported at the, at the Spirit Hope International Conference this last time around. Well, you know, as hard as it is to talk about these things, it's very important that parents know the facts. They hear from experts who are on the on the front lines and who are meeting these kids and serving these kids. And they're really our kids. And so we need to not only be having these conversations in our homes, but we want to be able to help with these kids. Tell us what we can do and how we can contact you to help support what you're doing. So if you're a young person and you need help or if you're a family that has a run, you know, has a runaway youth sure. or, or an officer that needs someplace safe to go, you can call our 24-hour hotline at 210-340-8090. That's man 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are located at 3103 West Avenue. We are the safe place. So that means that a young person can actually text for help to the number for help. Okay. And they can text that I need a safe place to go. Wow. And it will pop up on their text. The response is, where are you? Here's where the safest place oh, to be. Oh, that's incredible. We actually have a partner, a corporate partner now, which is Quick Trip. And you notice they're going up right around San yeah, Antonio. Yeah. So they are a corporate partner, and they've been a part of the National Safe Place Program throughout the United States. So now they're moving into our area. They've become our corporate partner. So a young person can go to a quick trip store, mm-hmm. say, I need a safe place. And they'll take them to the back, give them a sandwich, give them something to eat, and they'll call us to come pick them up. Incredible. The work you guys are doing is so important. Thank you for being on the front lines and doing what you're doing. I'm sad that we have to have these conversations, but it's imperative that we all know what's going on and figure out a way to help these kids. Appreciate you being here, Chuck. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Next Talk Radio with Mandy and Kim on AM630, The Word. You are not alone trying to figure out how to parent in this digital world. We are here with practical solutions to help you. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find our free video series and podcast at nexttalk.org. Are you ready for the next talk?